You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Now, let me point out, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 tells us, without question, Lot is a saved man. He knew the Lord. He's in heaven. But he made some very poor decisions in this life. It cost him and his family greatly. He pinched his tents near Sodom, but now he's not living for eternity. Now he's living in a home in Sodom bad move. Have you ever heard the saying that bad company corrupts good character? Did you know that that's straight from the Bible? This exhortation from the Apostle Paul is a stern warning for believers to use discernment when socializing with others. As Pastor Danny will teach you in his message today, who we associate with can make all the difference in our walk with the Lord. In his study, he'll reflect on the poor choices of Lot and how his compromises ultimately cost him his wife and well-being. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 12 as he begins his message, New Life, New Relationships. have felt led for some time, quite a few months now, to put together and do a series on the basics of the Christian life. Now, this is unprecedented for us at Calvary Chapel St. Pete. Even though Calvary Chapel is a movement, topical messages are common on the weekend. I don't know if you realize that, but studying through the Word, the pastor, Pastor Chuck, years ago started pulling out of what he's studying and doing a topical message on the weekend. I have felt led to do a series, a topical series, on the basics of the Christian life and basics that I have personally experienced and without which I would not be where I am today. And so we finished 1 Peter and I'd like to take a few weeks now and talk about some of these basics and then once we're done, we'll go right back 2 Peter and finish the New Testament and then of course start again teaching through the entire Bible. The first time I heard Fleetwood Mac was before Stevie Nicks became part of the group, before Lindsey Buckingham, the guitarist, became part of the group. I heard them in 1972 here at Peach Tree Celebration. You notice some of the names, Three Dog Night, Faces with Rod Stewart, the James Gang, Joe Walsh before he joined the Eagles, Black Oak, Arkansas. Anybody remember Black Oak, Arkansas? It's when music was really music. Poco, Goose Creek Symphony. $10, but that's at the door. Advance, eight bucks. Those days are gone. It was a two-day mini Woodstock with all these different bands. Alice Cooper, I don't know how he didn't get on the bill there, but he was there with his snakes. Two days of nothing but rock and roll. 
I was in the eighth grade. What's the point? My mother and my grandmother taught me about Jesus. They shared the gospel with me. They also took me just up the road within walking distance to Emmanuel Baptist Church. I was five years old. My mother had just gone through a divorce. I remember Pastor Milton Frazier there at Emmanuel Baptist every Sunday, pretty much every Sunday. I remember at the end of the message, him giving an invitation for anyone that would like to, to come forward and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. At one of those Sunday services at the age of five, I went forward. And as a young boy, I received Jesus Christ into my heart. It wasn't long after that, this uh, church started in elementary school. And so in second grade, my mother enrolled my brother and I into this school. I began learning about the Bible. I memorized all the books of the Bible, the names of them, even before I knew anything about what was in them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel. I had it down. I made 100 on the test. I memorized key verses in the Bible. That's when I first memorized John 3.16 in the old King James Version. Fifth grade at Emmanuel Baptist School, me and three other guys in our neighborhood started a band. I was the drummer. Our first gig was playing for a birthday party for Joni Wildeboer. Joni's mother worked at the local middle school. There were people at this party that were older than me, and that, of course, I had never met. There were girls that I had never met. It was delightful. <laughs> People would come up and say, can you play Wipeout? And I'd go, doo -doo 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 -doo, and I'd start to play Wipeout, which is one of the songs our band's played. Well, Joni's uh, gig opened up doors for us, and we got invited to other birthday parties, and we started playing for local birthday parties. I loved it. One of my new friends, Kurt Griggs, invited me on a Sunday evening to his church youth group. I was shocked to learn that Kurt even went to church, if you know what I mean. I went to my first MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship, just up the street from where Kurt lived. And I was delighted when I arrived because a lot of the girls that I was seeing at these parties we were playing for, attended MYF. My life was getting better, or so I thought. MYF, this particular group, was quite liberal. I look back on it now. I went on a youth retreat with them to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, old stomping ground of mine. And the only rule the youth leaders had for our group was no hard liquor in the room. I'm telling you the truth. We partied. There's a youth group that has potential to grow numerically very quickly. And it did. By sixth grade at Emmanuel Baptist School, I convinced my mother to enroll me now in Hartsville Middle School because that is where all my newfound friends would be attending. And back then, seventh grade was the beginning of middle school. My mother did, and I couldn't have been more pleased. I was at another party. One of the friends I had, well, one person, people I had become friends with had an older friend that had a driver's license, and they took a group of us to Small's Service Station. 
And when we got there, I realized we weren't going there for fuel or soda pop. Attendant came to the window. Uh, guy gives him a few dollars. He goes around behind the service station. He comes back, and from under his shirt, he handed a bottle of vodka into the car. The bottle began to be passed around, and it was the first night ever that I got drunk. And I'm talking, I got drunk. I had to find out from people later how I got home. I woke up in our front yard. Uh, I remember there was dew on the ground. It was cold. And I got up and staggered into the front door of our house. I was hitting the wall, woke my grandmother up, woke my mother up. They met me. I began to cry. I was ashamed, but didn't make any difference because the next day I was back with my old friends or my new friends now. Wasn't long after that, I tried pot. My friend Tommy Braddock and I used to smoke a lot of pot together. And uh, we're the ones, uh, I think it was Tommy that found out about Peachtree Celebration. And uh, Tommy and myself and my older brother, we got tickets. And we went to the two-day mini Woodstock, and I was in the eighth grade. It's amazing. My mother loved the Lord, but she was a little bit ignorant, I guess, in those days. The first night, it was so bad for my older brother, he couldn't handle it. Uh, all the crazy stuff that was going on that he went out. He said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. We're like, what, what, you, what do you mean you're leaving? And there were no cell phones in those days. So he goes uh, and leaves. He just walks away. He's gone. And I found out later he went outside to a pay phone and he called my mother. And in the middle of the night, my mother and grandmother drove from Hartsville, South Carolina to Rockingham, North Carolina to the Rockingham Motor Speedway and picked up my older brother. Can you imagine being a mother and a grandmother and you're picking up one son, but you're leaving the other one there and you don't know how in the world to find him and those thousands of people and you don't have a cell phone to call him. But there's no way I was going to leave. <laughs> this is party town, man. And Tommy and I stayed the whole two days. Over time, I increased drug use, tried different drugs, and ultimately I became a full-fledged drug addict. All I wanted to do in life was rock and roll all night and party every day, and that's pretty much what I did. How could that happen? How could you go from receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord at five years old, being a part of a Christian school, learning the Bible, memorizing verses in the Bible, how could you go from that to peach tree celebration and becoming a full-fledged drug addict. Well, there's one verse that explains it. It's this verse right here. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. My pull, mother pulled me aside. Now I'm in high school, and she pulled me aside at this point in my life, sat me down at home, and said, Danny, I'm really concerned about the crowd you're hanging around with. You're hanging around with the wrong crowd. I listened to my mother and I said to her emotionally, not rebelliously, but I said to her emotionally, Mama, I am the wrong crowd. I am the wrong crowd. And what happened to me is exactly what this verse is. Bad company corrupts good character. What happened to me is similar to what happened to another figure in the Bible. His name is Lot. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. By the way, the title of the message in this Christian basic is very simply, New Life, New Relationships. Chapter 12, Genesis verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the place 
the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And here's what I want you to see. Lot went with him. Lot is his nephew. This is their beginning of a faith journey. You might say this is the beginning of their salvation experience. And they now are following the Lord by faith. You get to chapter 13 and Lot makes a poor decision. It's, it's one decision of many he will make that's a poor decision that will affect him personally and will ultimately affect his family. Verse 5, chapter 13 now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers." Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abram is saying, I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm just going to trust the Lord. Verse 10, Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. Verse 11, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. Lot's choice was completely based on, wow, the grass is greener over there. I think I'll go that way. That's exactly what happened to me. The grass was greener at the parties. The grass was greener at MYF. And so I chose for myself. That's the direction I'm going. And I did. Notice verse 12, Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. You might be aware that homosexuality was rampant in Sodom, ancient Sodom. But I want us to understand that homosexuality was not the core sin of Sodom. It was a byproduct. The Bible tells us what the sin of Sodom and the people of Sodom, what their sin was. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. You could summarize that by saying it was a very fleshly, selfish, me society. That was what it was. They were living for themselves, and they were living for this world. Hebrews tells us that people like Abraham and Lot lived in tents because they were looking for the city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. And the tent life suggested we're just passing through here. But now Lot pitches his tent near Sodom. Not a good place to camp. Chapter 14, some of the kings living in the cities around where Lot had pitched his tent went to war. Four kings got victory over five kings. 
And the ones who got victory, you read about them in chapter 14, verse 11. Read it. Look at it. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. Over time, he had moved from the tent life, pitched near Sodom, to now he's got a home in Sodom. And it tells you about his spiritual condition. Now, let me point out, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 tells us, without question, Lot is a saved man. He knew the Lord. He's in heaven. But he made some very poor decisions in this life that cost him and his family greatly. He pinched his tents near Sodom, but now he's not living for eternity. Now he's living in a home in Sodom. Bad move. And very naturally, because he's now living in Sodom, he becomes captive to the enemy. He's taken captive by the enemy. Thank God. Abram, his uncle, takes some of the men with him and goes out, and God gives them victory over these four kings. They rescue Lot and the others who have been taken captive. But even after being rescued by his uncle, Lot goes right back to Sodom. Right back. You get to chapter 18. The Lord, with two angels, come and appear to Abraham. His name has been changed now from exalted father to father of many, Abram to Abraham. The Lord comes with these two angels, and they reveal to Abraham what's about to happen. God has given years now for Sodom and Gomorrah and the people there to repent. They refuse to repent, so now God is going to bring judgment upon them. And God says, Abraham's my friend. I can't keep this from Abraham. So he says to Abraham, here's what's about to happen. These two angels are going to go, and they're going to do my work, and they're going to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. Abraham knows his nephew Lot is living in Sodom. He knows Abraham is a man of faith. He began the journey of faith with him years before. And so he begins to pray. And he pleads with the Lord. He starts out verse 25 at the end and he says, Will not the judge of the earth, all the earth, do right? You won't destroy the righteous with the wicked, will you? Knowing that Lot is there and certainly Lot has at least led his family to the Lord. Certainly Lot has had some kind of influence that a few others, maybe just a few, but maybe others through Lot's faith, through Lot's witness, they've come to know the Lord. And so Abraham says, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare the city for 50 righteous? And God says, I'll do it for 50 righteous. Abraham says, well, maybe, maybe he hasn't reached 50 people. How about 40, Lord? How about 40? And the Lord says, okay, for 40, I'll spare Oh, Lord, don't be angry. One more. How about 30? Okay, I'll take 30. Okay, Lord, don't be angry, but what about 20? And the Lord says, okay, for 20, I'll spare them. And then finally, Abraham says, oh, Lord, please, please don't be angry, but how about 10? And God says, okay, if there are 10 righteous, I'll spare them. And what Abraham doesn't know is there's not even 10. You look in chapter 19, verse 1, the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. That is telling. How so? In biblical culture, and in the culture in these days, we have in even other writings, 
leaders, men leaders in a, in a city or in a village, well, they became like the judges. And they would sit at the gate of a city, and they became known as the elders at the gate. People would come and have disputes settled by these judges. Lot is now sitting at the gateway of Sodom. He first pitched his tent near Sodom. Now he's left the tent life, and now he's got a home in Sodom. His closest friends are people of Sodom, and now he's become a leader in Sodom. You'll thank me if you read later verse 2 of chapter 19 and following, because I'm going to skip that and pick it up in verse 12. The two angels said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against his peop- its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. Some translations say they were already his sons-in-law. Either way, he said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. He made a real impact on them, didn't he? With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. And when he hesitated, he hesitated. Why would he hesitate? Because of his spiritual condition. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. And as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes. You've shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Why can't he flee to the mountains? I think there's a clue. Arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. He's so physically out of shape. He's like, I can't run that far. He needed the Calvary Chapel running team to get him in shape. (laughs) Verse 20, look, here's a town near enough to run to. It's small. Let me flee to it. And the angel said, very well, I'll grant this request too. I'll not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I can't do anything until you reach it, until you're safe. Verse 23, by the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. New Testament tells us what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah is a precursor of what he's going to do in the world one day. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. Please don't miss verse 26. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Why did she look back? Because her heart is in Sodom. She didn't want to leave Sodom. Bible doesn't tell us. Bible doesn't tell us. But I think it's very possible that what lured Lot to Sodom in the first place was the same thing that lured me to MYF. Maybe he met her in Sodom. Maybe he married her in Sodom. Either way, she's not a godly woman. 
Her heart is in Sodom. And that's why she looked back. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges as we study Christian basics together. You can hear more teachings like this or more from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. That way you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we also live stream our services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, Christian Basics, our prayer is that you're reminded that the fundamental thing you need to know is that Jesus loves you deeply. In a world full of unrest, He is rest. In days filled with hurry, He is still. In years full of uncertainty and despair, He is hope and never changes. The Bible is a great source to remember these truths, and we encourage you to read it daily. It will help guide you to truth and lead you in a way that is everlasting. That's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny right here on The Living Word.